today on Anchored in the Word. The world's it's unraveling. It really is. It's not just this nation. It's the world. It's unraveling before our eyes. And what we see manifested give you a snapshot. I mean, come on, we can become immune to these things so much, but we're seeing young people, middle-aged people that are getting a hold of guns and they're going and they're shooting people indiscriminately. They're not even mad at them. They don't even know the people they're shooting. This hasn't been happening all the time. It's happening now. There's something going on. There's something underfoot. This is Anchored in the Word, the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Coastlands in Eatontown, New Jersey, with our pastor and teacher, Bill Beckelman. God gives us a special promise in the last book of the Bible. It tells us of a blessing for those who read and hear the book of Revelation. The book is an unveiling of the person of Jesus Christ. John records the scene in heaven after the rapture of the church as Pastor Bill continues to teach in Revelation chapter 5. At the close of Pastor Bill's message, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Anchored in the Word. Subscribe to the podcast or simply get in touch with us. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 5 verse 1 with today's study. Revelation 5 starting in verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and you have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain 
to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. It's been a while since we started the book of Revelation, but there is a special blessing to those who read it. I'm going to read this to you from verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. And remember, the book of Revelation is the unveiling. It's not hidden. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So we will know more about him. We should know more about Jesus as we go through the book of Revelation. And every week there should be something new about Christ that we that we see this week. We're going to see some things that should encourage you, that should be a blessing for you about Jesus. How many of you saw the um, Thursday nights, saw the debates, the debate? Anybody raise your hand on. Okay, quite a few of you. Several of the 24 million, apparently, that did see the Republican debates, 17 people stood up before America, and there in Cleveland basically was telling us why they should be the next president or what they think they can do to help this broken country that we're living in. And I think everybody agrees that it is broken right now. It's not as it was originally intended, even by our forefathers. It's broken. We know that because every politician that runs says that they want to fix it, right? And they've got their own special way to do that. Now, we understand that we're not here to talk about ideologies today, about man's ideologies, I should say. We're polarized. We've got two different, you know, we've got two parties, and they're basically just about opposites, you could say. And so we know that that's a problem. It's a problem because people are going to be in disagreement, And so there are different ways that man would go about fixing the problem, right? Isn't that true? There are different ways. I think, you know, we all would hope that these people are really wanting to fix America or wanting to help people out. I mean, you know, either party. I would like to think that's their motivation. The question is, how do you do that? And so we got 17 candidates for the Republican nomination at this point in time. Well, 17, and only one of them is going to make it. And then we've got just two now for the Democratic nomination. And I enjoyed watching the debate, but here's the reality. None of those people are going to fix the problem. They're not going to do it. There is a problem. And it's not just countrywide. It's worldwide. The world's it's unraveling. It really is. It's not just this nation. It's the world. It's unraveling before our eyes. And what we see manifested give you a snapshot. I mean, come on, we can become immune to these things somewhat, but we're seeing young people, middle-aged people that are getting a hold of guns and they're going and they're shooting people indiscriminately. They're not even mad at them. They don't even know the people they're shooting. This hasn't been happening all the time. It's happening now. There's something going on. There's something underfoot. When you can kill the innocents, you know, a million a year. 
and, and nobody seems, very few people see, see a problem with that. And even when God brings things to the lights through videotapes, some people are saying, oh, you know, we've got to get the people that did the video. It's like, where, where are we? You know, one of the things one of these guys said is, if as time goes by and if the Lord tarries and they look back at this point in time, this is the most barbaric people we can imagine. Barbarians, these people. Talking about us, our time. You could say, well, you know what? That's kind of true if you think about what's going on and, and everything like that. It's kind of true. So we got problems. Some think it's economical. That's the problem. We can just economically fix this thing. If we, if we shrink the government, by the way, I love the idea. I think it's a great idea, but as someone pointed out, that hasn't happened. No matter who's in office, it keeps growing. No matter who's in office. So we can say that's the problem, but we're not going to fix the problem, right? No matter what you are, it's still growing. The problem's growing, our debt's growing, all, this, all these things are growing. And I, I love these guys. God bless them all that they, they want to fix, they want to help America. I saw two things, highlights in the whole thing. Jesus' name was mentioned twice in that thing. Awesome, man. The name of Jesus went out. The name above all names went out. And one of the guys even said, I'm covered. I think he said something about the blood of Jesus. I'm like, whoa, the blood of Jesus even. That's even more powerful, right? When you hear that, it's like, whoa. I think they were invoking, they wanted God on their side. I think that's what they realized that, you know, I don't need the big money givers on my side. I need, I need the king of kings on my side is what I need. But even so, things are spiraling out of control. I got to tell you something. My heart goes out to whoever the next president's going to be. Be honest, because they're taking on, I mean, you know, Governor Christie said, did you hear what he said? You know, they, they were looking at his record and saying, well, you know, this is, you know, the people in your state, things are really bad. And I, I, I'm characterizing what they said. They asked him the question. And he said this. He goes, well, you should have seen it before I got there. So he's saying things are better, apparently, than they were. All right? Be that as it may, here's the truth of the matter. In chapter 5, a call went out. They were looking for someone, someone that was going to be able to step up to the plate, so to speak, and do something that nobody else could do. That's what happened in chapter 5 in the book of Revelation. A call went out, and sadly, nobody answered the call at first. Nobody apparently was worthy, and that's the term that was used, was worthy to fill that place, to do that thing that needed to be done in heaven. And there's a search going on for the next president of the United States, let's say. But there's also in heaven on this day, on this particular day. And remember, we're looking into the future now. This is something that hasn't happened yet. John has been taken up. He's on the Isle of Patmos there, and we know that he was taken up in chapter 4, taken up to heaven, and he was shown things that would take place after these things, or after the church age was over. We believe that, was, that will be when the rapture happens. That will end the church age when the church is taken up. So we find John now into heaven. He's seeing not only heavenly things, but he's seeing things of the future, things that hadn't happened yet, that haven't happened to this point in time, and he was told to write them down, and I'm glad he was obedient, and he did that. But what we were seeing there is that was going on in heaven. Let's, let's pick it up in verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. We saw the throne last week. This is the very throne room of God Almighty himself, and he's sitting on the throne. He was described last week. There's a, a rainbow of emerald going around the throne, and he's sitting on the throne. And in his right hand, 
there was a scroll written inside and on the back. Somehow John could see that it was writing on the inside of that scroll. He could see it on the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And you know what a seal is? It was put on something that letter, you could say, that it showed that it was, it spoke to ownership, but it's, it spoke to security. In other words, that seal would not be broken until the person who was supposed to open it would open it. They actually had a signet ring. The seal was like, let's say, some wax or something, and they had a signet ring that would fit right into the inscription that was on that seal. And when that ring would fit in there, it showed ownership, and then that person was the one that would be able to open that thing that was sealed. And so, What we see here is there's a scroll in God the Father's hand, and it's got seven seals on it. That thing's sealed up pretty well there. Another, a lot of sevens here in the book of Revelation. And the second thing John sees, he says, Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. And here's the question, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Who is worthy? Now, somehow in heaven, when the God the Father is holding this seal in his hand, this thing, they had an understanding maybe of what this thing was. They knew it was important. It just was, I don't think it was just their curiosity was piqued. Oh, we'd like to read that. It's interesting. God's holding it. It must be something good. Let's, let's, let's read that. I believe that they understood that there was something valuable there. There's something very important there. And by the way, what was in the right hand of Almighty God is the fix that we're all looking for. That's what it is. It's the fix. Some call it the title deed to the earth. What is this scroll? But what's going to happen, and we'll see it in the chapters to unfold in the future, in the, in the days ahead, as we continue through the book of Revelation, we're going to see that what's in that scroll are some hard things. It's God's plan laid out to take the world back and to, and to right the world and to make it the way that it's supposed to be. People know what it's supposed to be. There's something within each human being. They know within themselves there's righteousness is supposed to take place. Because don't you know this? Have you ever said this? Even when you were young, that's not right. That's not fair. You had somewhere inside of you some understanding that there was supposed to be fairness. There was supposed to be justice. Because God put that in us. There's supposed to be righteousness. That's not right. How do you know that's not right? Because it's within you to know what it's supposed to be. Now, we don't always do what's right, but it's been put inside of us. And so we see that all the world knows that, that things aren't right. They need to be changed. You probably won't find many people say, you know, the world just right the way that it is. It's good. I'm good. You know, it's good right now. I don't think it's good anywhere. It's not good anywhere, really. I mean, if you're going to call it good, good, because it's not heaven on earth. It's not good, only in heaven. Now, in chapter 5, we're in heaven, by the way. Things are good there. They're good there. Things are going well in heaven. And here's the reason. Because everybody there is submitted to the one in charge. There's only one in charge, and they're all submitted to him. Willingly submitted to him. It's not out of order there. There is a, there's a divine order in heaven. We even saw it last week. Man, the, the seraphim with the wings are flying around, and they're very, they're, it's very controlled there. I mean, they, they, holy, holy, holy. They got their thing to do. They know what their job description is, and they're just going about it. And they're 24-7, these guys. These creatures are flying around. You know, there's a lot going on in heaven. 
But everybody submitted to the Father. And that's our problem on earth if you didn't know that. Because on earth, everybody's not submitted to the Lord. That's our problem. Man, I'd love it if we get up there and one of the candidates goes, I got all the problems, I got all the, I mean, all the answers. Sort of like a, a Donald Trump type person, you know what I mean? In other words, he, he was not afraid to speak his mind, no matter what the cost would be. Although, and I'm not putting down Donald Trump, I'm just saying, Trump-esque, he would say, you know what, I got the answers. I got all the answers. I know how to fix the problem. They'd give him an extra 30 seconds, wouldn't they, on that one? Well, let's hear it. Jesus. You need to submit your life to Jesus. And if enough people in our country submit their hearts to Jesus, it'll change our country. Guarantee. I, every, you know, 17 guys, and a lot of them say, I'm going to do what I believe they mean it, that they're going to do what they say they're going to do. I really believe they mean that when they say it. Unfortunately, unfortunately, every one of us has lied at some point in our lives. You know, it's interesting, if you're a politician and you lie, they keep track of you. I mean, they, they write the stuff down now. There's a lot of, right, you, you get a sound bite and you get on tape with that thing, and boy, they're all over it, you know. Even if you change your mind, if you have an evolving uh, way of looking at things, that, that can cost you too. But the idea is, God never changes his mind. He doesn't have to. Because he does all things well. When he says something, he knows the end from the beginning. He doesn't have to change it. He doesn't have failed policies. Right? He doesn't have to go back and change everything. Well, we've worked on this, and now we've got to change this thing. He's never had to do that from the very beginning. When he created this thing, he he put man in. And the thing that makes me scratch my head, he knew that man was going to sin. He knew that man was going to mess the thing up. Lobbyists, there won't be any more buying things. You know, when I'm saying buying somebody's vote, there won't be any more of that. That's going to be gone by the wayside. And righteousness will rule and reign. We're going to look at that this morning a little bit. And you, if you're a Christian, following Jesus, you will be part of his government. That's what it says here this morning. It's going to talk about that idea. So the scroll. Angel says, who makes a big pronouncement, really loud, in all of heaven. Who is worthy to open this thing? Probably didn't say thing, of course. He's not afraid to speak his mind. And then the sad thing is verse 3. Now, it's, it's by a point. Now, this, look at this. It says, and no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll. Check it out. No political candidate on earth, no matter what party they're from. No ruler, no king or queen around the world. The smartest person, no religious entity on the earth. Right? By the way, it says nobody in heaven. And it says, was able or uh, was able to open the scroll or to look at it. And I want to tell you something. That's a place of no hope, if you think about it for a moment. Now, God did this to make a point, a good point. And this is the problem that we have, and, and this is what the world has. There's no hope. And people are finding their hope, if, they, if they're finding it's a false hope in wrong things, false religions, the hope of heaven. If you'll just murder a bunch of people, then you can go to heaven. That's the hope that some people have. They're holding on to that hope. They kill people in the name of their God. They're going to they're be in heaven someday. Well, what kind of hope is that? I mean, there's a lot of false hope going on in the world that somehow we can turn this whole world around and, and the government and, and take care of everything and, and everybody will just be one big happy family. 
sorry, not going to happen on this side of the return of Christ. It's just not going to happen. I hope that doesn't sound like a pessimistic attitude. It's just truth. But the good news is it's coming. It's coming. You see, verse 3 is a place of no hope. Listen, here's the reality. When these things play themselves out, you know, President Obama was a, a lot of people, and even used words like Messiah, they thought he was going to be the hope for them. They really thought that he was going to be the, is going to bring in this new hope to America. Well, we found out that that's not the case. And that will be the case for any president that's going to come onto the scene. Give them enough time in office and you will find out that they will not be the answer to man's problems. The first thing you need to do, and I like what one of the people said, you're not going to fix a problem until you identify it. Amen, brother. you got to call it this. I'm telling you, brother, that's a symptom of the problem. Because uh, I couldn't remember what it was. It was uh, Islamic, uh, radical Islamic terrorism. Okay? That's a symptom of the problem. That's not the problem. Sorry. The problem is sin. That's the problem. And as a result of sin, we get that. We get fornication. We get, we get all kinds of weird stuff, people killing each other as a result of sin. That's our problem. And it's important to identify it. And by the way, you saw the debate. I don't think it was identified. Did anybody get up and say our problem is sin? No. I'm not putting anybody down. I don't know if they know that or they just didn't want to say it because it might not sound good on Fox News. I don't know. But the point is, that's our problem. According to the Bible, sin is man's problem. And it's the very root of the problem. And you have to fix a problem. You've got to go to the root, don't you? Don't worry. Jesus has it all under control. And he is dealing with, he's dealt with our sin. But look what it says here in verse 3. There's no hope in heaven because there's nobody that can fix it. Right? They know there's a scroll that needs to be opened, and there's nobody can do it. I'm going to tell you something. It may seem like a sad thing, but you need to, well, that's, the way that, that's where we need to come as a people. As a person needs to be at that place where you realize that you can't fix your own life. You don't have the fix, but somebody does beside yourself. And that's the way a nation has to come to. Listen, there are places etched in stone in Washington, D.C. and other places that say, In God we trust. In God we trust. There's the answer right there. Now, the God of the Bible, Jesus, in Jesus, I wish they would have put that, in Jesus we trust. But until we get back to that, I mean, as a group, it's not going to happen. Well, that's all the time we have for today here on Anchored in the Word with Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coast Lands. Don't forget to join us next time as we continue our verse-by-verse study through the book of Revelation. If you've missed part of this message and would like to catch up or you'd like to hear it again, this message is archived at our website at anchoredintheword.com. That's anchoredintheword.com. And if you'd like to continue studying with Pastor Bill as he teaches through the Bible at Calvary Chapel Coastlands, we have the entire library of his messages posted for listening and download. Go to our website at www.anchoredintheword.com and connect with Calvary Chapel Coastlands for our online messages. We would love to hear from you, so if you have any questions, comments, or prayer requests, please 
contact us. Our phone number is 732-544-2225. That's 732-544-2225. If you prefer to write, our address is 178 Main Street, Eatontown, New Jersey, 07724. Or email us at office at cccoastlands.org. If you're in the Eatontown, New Jersey area and would like to visit us, we would love to meet you. Calvary Chapel Coastlands is located at 178 Main Street in Eatontown, New Jersey. Anchored in the Word is the radio ministry of Pastor Bill Beckelman of Calvary Chapel Coastlands. We hope you will join us again as we continue our study through the book of Revelation. It's our prayer that you would be moored in sound doctrine and anchored in the Word. Anchored in your-